if we want to bring up the PowerPoint, all right. Before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. God, I pray that this message this morning would, would reach deep into the hearts of those who are here. Lord, that, that those who are listening over podcasts, Lord, that, that you would just speak deeply into their hearts. Lord, I pray this morning that as, as, as we start talking about prayer more and more and what it means in our lives, Lord, that it would encourage us, that it would lift us up, but it would challenge us, that it would push us to new levels in our faith. Lord, I pray that the words this morning aren't my words, but your words. That, that they're not my thoughts, but your thoughts. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would rule and reign in this place. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. This last week, uh, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m., has been a week of prayer for us. It's been a week of prayer for our church, for the church's impact on the community. Some were able to make it, some weren't, uh, and that's okay that those who weren't able to make it, but those who were here were praying. It's, it's been a week of standing in the gap. For those in our church family who are suffering in sickness, for the schools, for the state, for our county, we were standing in the gap. We were praying for this church. We were praying for those who go here. You'll begin to notice, you know, we, we're praying. We're not just praying for, for a city or a county, but we're also praying for our nation. You'll begin to notice as we, you know, we talked about last week, praying in the new year. This would be part two of the series, Praying in the New Year. The first part we talked about was the prayer of intercession. And when we talk about intercession, it's interceding prayer, that we're standing in the gap for somebody. And you'll begin to notice as we talk about the different types of prayer, there were six types that we talked about. But if you, if you begin to notice, they'll start to mix. They'll start to, they'll start to kind of interact together. And that's no problem. They often intersect. But an intercessory prayer will always have the elements of the prayer of faith. It can also cross over with the prayer of agreement or other types of prayer. But I want to be very clear about this. You can't get bogged down by the terms of what prayer is. You can't get bogged down by saying, well, I'm doing intercessory prayer, so I can't mix it with this prayer or that prayer. And They will often intersect. And we don't want to get bogged down by the terms because we'll become legalistic in our approach to prayer. True prayer, true prayer. You know, sometimes people will talk about the Lord's Prayer, or they'll have different, different recited prayers by memory. They'll, they'll just kind of recite something they heard when they were a child. How many, how many know the one before you go to bed? How, how many know it? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. <laughs> this is so morbid for children. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord, my soul to take. It's it's what <laughs> freaked me out. I had a friend uh, who would pray that every 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 night. I'd spend the night at his house, and and he would pray that. And I thought, man, what in the world? I didn't I didn't pray like that. I don't. Why is he praying like that? I mean, is he gonna die in his sleep? What's going on here? I don't want to wake up with to that. You know. It's, Kind of weird. But anyway, so, so to truly pray isn't about reciting memorized statements. To truly pray is to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. To truly pray is to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
It's not our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and da 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 da. Because that's just a recited statement. That's just recited from memory. That's, that there may be no passion there. But to truly pray is to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in your prayer time. I want to talk to you this morning about, you know, before we, we we're going to move into this morning, the prayer of faith. But we, before we talk about the prayer of faith, I want to focus for just a few minutes on the prayer of intercession. You say, well, Pastor David, we just talked about that last week. I understand we just talked about it last week, but there are some things that I think I just want to get a little bit more across. And one of those things is the prayers that we have for a nation. When we intercede, when we, I mean, do we really believe that it makes a difference when we pray for our nation? Do we really believe that as Christians, as one Christian in Estherville, Iowa, or Spirit Lake, or Okaboji, or Sherburn, or wherever you may be from, do we really believe that one person praying makes a difference? How many believe that one person praying makes a difference? Because when one person prays, and one person prays, and one person prays, now you have multiple people praying. But do we believe it makes a difference for a nation? I want to read you a story. At first, when war was declared... Nothing much happened. But within a few months, France and Belgium fell to the Germans. The only port from which to evacuate the British army was a place called Dunkirk, where the British army was trapped against the sea. The troops were encircled and the German army was proceeding to their annihilation. The position was so serious, it was estimated that a mere 20 to 30,000 would be rescued. There was 400,000. Almost the entire British army was about to perish. There was no human solution to the crisis. The end of the British way of life had come to an end, or so it appeared. In sheer desperation, King George VI called for a national day of prayer. It was to be held on the 26th of May. In a national broadcast, he instructed the people of the United, of the United Kingdom to plead for divine intervention. Together with the members of the cabinet, the king attended Westminster Abbey, while literally millions of people in the British Isles flocked to the churches, praying for deliverance. Nothing like it had ever been seen before or since. That's how serious the situation was. What happened next can only be described as a miracle. In fact, there was two miracles. The first was a great storm which broke out over the area on the 28th of May, hindering the assault of the German Air Force. A great storm rose up and stopped the German Air Force from coming down on them. The second was a great calm on the English Channel. There was a great storm stopping the Germans, and there was a great calm which allowed the boats to come and rescue 338,000 men. Does prayer work? Does prayer, listen, do your prayers work? Do your prayers change the course of a war? It's said that those were, uh, of Hitler's four big mistakes, this was among the biggest. For some reason, which, which nobody knew why, he just decided to stop the troops. He just, he just, just all of a sudden, 
stop the troops. Our Air Force can't get through, but our, but our armies can get through. And they pushed him, do it. And he said, no, we're just, let's stop the troops. It's what lost him, the war. Does, do your prayers have the faith to move mountains? Intercessory prayer. Do your prayers have the faith to move mountains? Do you believe it matters? Can it change your situation? Can it change your circumstances? Now, I want to, let's, let's move real quickly from a national level down to a personal level. When we talk about interceding prayer, when we talk about intercession, intercession is simply that, that we're interceding for somebody, that we're standing in the gap, that when they can't pray, we are praying for them. When we do this, we are modeling what Jesus is doing. When we intercede for others, we are modeling what Jesus is doing. And I want to be careful with the language here. We're not modeling what Jesus did, past tense. We are modeling what Jesus is doing right now. Go to the first scripture. Romans 8 and 34 says this. This is in the amplified version. Who is the one who condemns us? Christ Jesus is the one who died to pay our penalty. And more than that, who was raised from the dead. And who is at the right hand of God interceding with the Father for us. Jesus currently is at the right hand of the Father interceding, praying for you. Have you thought about how incredible that is? You say, Pastor David, you don't understand. There's nobody in my life that I feel is praying for me. There's nobody in my life that, you know, I've prayed for others, but I don't feel like anybody's praying for me. I feel like I'm all alone in this place. But know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. Interceding with the Father simply means this, that he is standing in the gap by covering your sin with his sacrifice. That he is interceding with the Father. When the Father says there has to be judgment, he says, stop. I have paid the price. I have covered their sin with my sacrifice. He is, he is putting himself in between you and damnation. He is putting himself in between you and eternal judgment. He is putting himself, he has put his life and blood on the line to intercede for you. He is interceding for us. Paul goes on to say this. Go ahead to the next one. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death. Listen, I want you to hear this as carefully as I can. You know, there's so many times that, that, that when we're, we're hearing something and we say, well, this is, this is what verse it's found in the Bible. There's so many times when we hear that and it doesn't impact us quite as much as it should. We hear it and we think, okay, well, that's from the Bible. That's good. I want you to hear the clear words of Paul this morning. There's people in this service this morning that feel unloved. There's people that feel lost and broken. 
There's people who might be listening to the message on podcast. They, they don't know where they're going to turn next. And Paul says very clearly, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you from his love. Jesus is interceding with the Father for you. He has covered your sin with his sacrifice, and nothing can separate you from the love of God. Do you know that you are loved this morning? The prayer of intercession. That I am interceding for you. I am modeling that because Christ is interceding for me. I want to move on. Having closed the prayer of intercession, I want to move forward to the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. How many have ever heard of the prayer of faith? Go ahead and raise your hand. Anybody ever heard the prayer of faith? Really? This is going to be good. I'm excited about this. This is the prayer of faith. It's also known as a petitioning prayer. It's the prayer that most people think of when they use the term prayer. The prayer of faith. It's, it's I have faith that what I'm praying is going to come forward. It's going to come forth. It's petitioning prayer. It's between you and God. It's you asking God for a particular outcome. It's you asking God, God, I need this to happen. There are some people praying that right now on their way to the Minnesota Vikings game. (laughs) Petitioning prayer, God, please let my team win. And I'm sure there's people going for the other team praying too, God, please. Maybe those offset each other, I don't know. Who's praying harder? Let's, Let's find out later this afternoon. The key verse for the prayer of faith is Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Jesus says this, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask me when you pray, believe that you will receive them, and you will have them. This is the prayer of faith, that, that when you pray, believing you will receive them, you will have them. And you say, well, hold on a second, Pastor David. This, I don't know about this. This kind of sounds a little genie-esque. <laughs> I'm just, 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 well, I, I, you know, remember uh, the three wishes of the genie. God's not a genie, but when I pray, believing that I will receive them, I will have them. That's the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith, listen, this isn't some hocus pocus or some magic. It is moving in the spirit realm. Your faith will move mountains. If we don't believe that, why are we here? My faith will and can move mountains in my life and your life. The key principle here is belief. 
The rule is here is to consider when you pray, not after you pray, not when you feel something, not when you see something. That faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not believed, not things you cannot see. The rule here is that when you pray, the moment you pray, you believe that you receive what you're praying for. You have to understand, when you pray this way, you're not praying in a selfish way. Boy, Lord, that Powerball looks real good right about now. Lord, I could do so much good with $948 million. Wednesday, it's going to be $1.3 billion. Lord, I know that's mine. I receive it. That's not what we're talking about. There's going to be an awful lot of people disappointed that day. That when we are praying, we are praying out of the will of God. That when we are moving in his presence, that we are praying the will of God. God, I pray that this person would gain healing in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would bring me out of financial turmoil in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for my kids. I pray for their salvation in Jesus' name. But here's where Christians get hung up. What happens when you pray for it and nothing happens? What's the problem when you pray for it but nothing happens? And the kicker is this, that we live in a time. We live in the now. God is eternal. God does not live in, in the constraints of time. The Bible talks about how one day is a thousand, thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. And I want you to understand this concept of God, that God does not live in time as we do. That when we understand that, we will understand this, that when we truly have faith in prayer, that God answers that prayer but it may not manifest itself at that time. That eventually it will manifest itself, but it may not manifest itself right when you pray. God, I need healing in my body. I need this cancer to be eradicated in Jesus' name. I need this sickness to be gone in Jesus' name. And you're praying with all the faith you can muster. But you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, I'm sorry, we, there's, we still have to do treatments. We still have to do this. And you say, well, what, what happened? I prayed. It may not manifest. The, the healing may not manifest itself right away, but it will manifest itself. Whether it be now or in eternity, there will be healing in Jesus' name. We believe in healing as a church, as, as Christians. We believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ. We believe in the blood this morning, amen? We believe in healing, but we also know that in life circumstances, there's times in my life, there's times in your life where my lack of faith stops things from happening. The circumstances will stop 
God from moving. You say, well, hold on a second, Pastor David. God's almighty. God's all-powerful. Why, why, why can't he just do this? Go to the next scripture. Go, to, go one more. Matthew 13, 58. says this. Jesus is going to his hometown. And in his hometown, it says that he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. That he did not do many, he did some mighty works, but he did not do all that was intended because of their unbelief. That their faith was the catalyst, that their faith was the starting point for their healing. That their faith was the catalyst for the change in their relationships. That their faith was the catalyst for the change in their children. That their faith was the catalyst for the change in their marriage. But he did not do many works there because of their unbelief. Now the question is this, did Jesus just lose his power? Of course not. He was still Jesus. His power never changed, but the people's level of faith changed. And when the people's level of faith mixed with his power, the unbelief overcame. Why did it overcome? It's simply this. God will not violate your free will. It's simply this. You have free will. God will not overcome that. It's not that he cannot, it's that he will not. That the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Your faith will have the power to move mountains. It doesn't have to do with the preacher. It doesn't have to do with me. It doesn't have to do with with the message on a Sunday morning. It has to do with you moving in the Spirit of God with all the faith you can muster. You say, well, Pastor David, I just don't have faith. The Bible says everyone is given the faith the size of a mustard seed. Mustard seed faith. And that that size of a mustard seed can move mountains. Why do they use mustard seed? Mustard seed, though it's very tiny, is extremely potent. It's very tiny, but extremely powerful. I only have a little bit of faith this morning. Does your faith believe that you can move mountains? Does your faith believe that it can change situations and circumstances? Does your faith believe it can change the outcome of a war? The prayer of faith. Go to the next scripture. James 2.14 says, Faith without works is dead. A lack of action shows a lack of faith. I want to read you, uh, it comes from a scene in a movie called Facing the Giants. There's a conversation where Mr. Bridges goes to Coach Taylor's office. Mr. Bridges is, has been praying for people and praying over the lockers. And he goes to Coach Taylor's office And this is the interaction. 
he shares a story with him. Coach Taylor is about to, basically, he, he's going to quit. He just doesn't know what to do, and he's been praying, and he says, God, I need to do something. And Mr. Bridges says this, there were two farmers who desperately needed rain, and both of them prayed for rain, but only one of them went out and prepared his fields to receive the rain. Mr. Bridges says, which one do you think trusted God to send the rain? Coach Taylor says, the one who prepared his fields for it. Mr. Bridges says, which one are you? God will send the rain when he's ready. Have you prepared your fields to receive it? God will send the rain when he's ready. The Bible says that rain falls on the just and the unjust. God, I don't understand. Why are they getting their blessing and I'm not getting mine? God, I don't understand why they're so successful and I'm not. I don't understand why they get this and this and this and I get this. And and we only see through a mirror dimly. and, and, And we need to understand that. But we also have to understand that faith without works is dead. If I haven't prepared my fields for the rain, then why am I praying for rain? My question is this, have you prepared your fields? When I was uh, in Georgia, I would, you know, I was selling cars there and, and, and kind of helping people get into Hondas and, and, and doing what I could there. And, and, and I would have my, at the beginning of the day, I would have my papers stacked up for the whole deal. You'd have so many papers for this deal. So I would get papers for the whole deal and I have them stacked up. And someone looked at me and said, why are you doing that? And I looked at him and really cryptically just said, I'm just waiting for the rain. When, when I would sell a car, it was, it was a blessing. It was, it, was, it was how God provided for my family. It was, it was awesome. And, and, and other people would watch me and say, and say, well, why is this happening to you? I can't, I can't get nothing done today. And you just say, just, you know, it's not me. It's God. God sends the rain. I just prepared the fields. God will send the rain. Are your fields prepared this morning? How many have ever heard of a man named Hudson Taylor? Hudson Taylor was a missionary. When Hudson Taylor was sailing to China to begin his missionary work, his ship was in great danger. The wind had died, and the current was carrying them towards sunken reefs. They were close to islands, and the islands were inhabited by cannibals. So close to the islands were that they could see the cannibals building fires with stones. As they were getting near, the captain of the ship said to Hudson Taylor, Well, we have done everything that can be done. A thought occurred to Hudson Taylor, and he replied, No, there is one thing we have not yet done. What is that? the captain asked. Hudson said, Four of us on board are Christians. Let us each go to his own cabin and agree in prayer, asking the Lord to immediately give us a breeze. The captain must have thought, okay, sure, go down and pray. Taylor prayed briefly, and then, certain the answer was coming, he went up on the deck and told the first officer, let down your sails. Keeping in mind, there is no wind at this time. The first officer looked at him and said, what good would that do? 
Hudson said he'd been asking for a wind coming from God, and it was going to come immediately. Within minutes, the wind picked up, and it carried them safely past the reefs. Hudson Taylor wrote this, Thus God encouraged me to err, landing on China's shores to bring every variety of need to him in prayer, to expect that he would honor the name of the Lord Jesus and give the help that each emergency requires. That he, listen, he didn't just go up and pray for, he didn't just go up and pray for a wind. He went up and prayed for a wind, then went up and said, oh, hey, by the way, you might want to let those sails down. The first officer looked at him and said, are you crazy? There's no wind here. Yeah, but I just prayed for wind. And it's on its way. Can you imagine the level of... Beth, you're smiling. Have you ever been there? God, this is what I'm praying for, and I'm not just praying for it, but I'm going out and I'm saying, listen, let those sails down. I've been praying for wind. Vicky is battling a sickness, but she's battling it with prayer. We are battling it with prayer. She isn't just sitting at home with, with, with hearing prayers and saying, well, God, you know, ah, boy, sure hope that goes away. No, she's gone to the doctor. She's taken the medicine. She, she's done what they've called her to do. But she has faith, believing that God will heal her. As do we. I don't know what the scan's going to show. We believe in faith that it will show the cancer is gone in Jesus' name. You say, well, Pastor David, what if that doesn't happen? It doesn't shake my faith. That doesn't shake my faith. We move forward, continuing to pray. We move forward. Why would you move forward? Because I have seen God do too much things in my life to doubt him now. I have seen God do too many things in my life to start doubting him now. I saw him move upon my family time after time after time again. I've seen him move on my immediate family, my, my parents and my brothers and sisters time after time after time again. And I would say, so have you. What makes you doubt now after seeing everything he's done? Faith without works is dead. If we can have the worship team coming up. I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want you to, I want you to, to not just start engaging in praying and intercessing, but, you know, the most common form of prayer is petitioning prayer. When we go to God many times, it's, God, this is what I need. God, this is what I need in my life. This is what I need to happen. I need this job to come through. I need my children to be, to be saved. I need this sickness to be healed. It's petitioning prayer. My question would be is, as you're petitioning God, are you examining your level of faith? There's a great story in the Bible. And the verse escapes me right now. 
But a man comes to Jesus and he wants his son to be healed. And Jesus looks at him and says, do you believe? Do you believe your son can be healed? And the man says what is the most relatable quote to me in the Bible. Yes. It says, yes, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Yes, I believe. God, you have done amazingly, abundantly more than I can ask or think. I have seen you move time and time and time again. Yes, I believe. But God, I pray that you would help me with my unbelief. There's my, there might be people here this morning that you're going through situations and circumstances nobody even knows about. It may take a level of faith on your part you just don't know if you have. And, and God is, is there saying, do you believe? And you're saying, yeah, God, I believe. But help me with my unbelief. Lord, this morning we come to you in prayer. God, for each person here, that, that you would examine each heart that's here. That you would grow their faith. God, that when the question is asked if they believe, that their response would be with all humility, yes, I believe, but God, help me with my unbelief. I'm human. My mind wanders. My focus is shifted at times. God, I believe I've seen your presence move time and time and time again. But, but, but God, help my unbelief. Lord, as we worship you this morning, I'd like everybody to stand. We're going to come and worship him this morning. And as we worship, as you would lift your hands, as you would lift your voices, we're going to take communion in a little bit after this. But, but as for right now, for this moment, if there's a need in your life, you say, Pastor David, I just, I just need some faith this morning. You say, I just need some faith this morning. I just, God, yes, I believe, but I need help with my unbelief. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. I'm not going to ask people to come forward. I'm going to ask you to examine your heart. I would ask that you have a private conversation with God right now. Yes, I believe. But Lord, help me with my unbelief. Let's worship him in Jesus' name.